Okay, uh, we're in Psalms chapter 91 now, and sermon I titled uh, A Personal Relationship with God. Actually, what I want you to understand is that uh, uh, this chapter, I started reading back all about two or three months ago, and uh, as I was going through it, verse by verse just seemed to step out. Now, we have, you know, we have these things. <clears throat> if you're really intelligent, you want to sound intelligent, this is a cellular device. I call it stupid foam. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it, we have those, and I have on mine a King James Version Bible app. And what I like about it is that I can get on a verse, and I'm reading it there first thing in the morning when I'm reading it, and boy, it just seems to speak to my heart. And so I can tap the number, like if it's verse 1, I tap the 1 there, and then it would give me a choice of writing something, emailing that verse to somebody, or whatever I wanted to do. And so I started writing things down uh, as I was going through that chapter, and I tell you what, the more and more I was doing, I said, man, how am I going to preach this? Uh, but uh, i got to think about Thanksgiving, things that we ought to be thankful for. Probably the thing that we need to be most thankful for is that we, if you're saved, you have a personal relationship with God. A personal relationship with God, that is so important. But uh, what is the depth of that relationship? Sometimes you go to work, you have a relationship with the people there, but that's, it, it starts at work and it ends at work each day. That's it. But I tell you, in the relationship with the Lord is throughout the day. It's throughout the day if it's a real one. And, and so I uh, had that in mind. I said, you know what? There's so many things there to be thankful for as you go through that chapter. And so I was going to start uh, this, this Sunday, which I am today, and I'm going to do it next Sunday and the following Sunday, uh, just going from Psalms 91. Now, let me tell you one other thing. I'm probably not going to preach from Psalms 91 uh, this morning, but I am going to start with verse 1 as a text and then build up to it because I'm looking at this in the uh, attitude of a, a relationship with God and in giving of thanks. And so, as we read verse 1 there, uh, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You can't be in the secret place of the Almighty. You can't be in that secret place if you're not in the Word, in prayer, daily, and meditating in those things that He gives you. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to get started into your Word this morning on these things. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to hearts. I pray if there's one that does not know that they died today, that heaven's their home. I pray that today would be the very day they come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I pray if there's one that's wandered far from you, Lord, I pray that they'd come back, rekindle that relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'd pray this in the name of, that's above every name, the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, here at Central Baptist Church, every November, the first Sunday of November, I mean, if you guys make plans and put it on your calendar, just know that the first Sunday of November every year is Roundup Sunday. When I took over as pastor, it used to be in October. That right at the end of October, they'd have Roundup Sunday. And I thought, well, you know, if you do it the next week, if you do it the next week, 
the first Sunday of November, it's time change. They get to sleep in an hour and they can still make it. And some that forget to set their clocks back come to Sunday school for the first time. And so it, it just really works pretty well. But um, so we had that, but then the rest of the month we're looking at Thanksgiving. Now in America, Thanksgiving is a day that we get to have off. It's, it's a week. I mean, that, they're off and, and people watching football games and they're doing all kind of things. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with thanksgiving to God. But uh, that is the thing that we as Christians uh, need not to follow the world and do the things the way they do. I'm thankful that we have forefathers that, uh, to begin with, trying to just make things be peaceful and, and good, had a, had a dinner with, with the Indians. And, and they did that, and, and that was a good thing in getting started. Congress would designate in October 6, 1941, Congress would designate that time that the last Thursday of November each year would be the official Thanksgiving holiday. And so that's why it's the last Thursday of each year now. However, President George Washington was the first, the very first, to, uh, to issue a proclamation, and that was in 1789, and designating that Thursday would be uh, November 26 of, of 1789, would be a time set aside for Thanksgiving, for the Constitution that the Lord had blessed us with. Now understand, that Constitution, and you've heard it said other times, is built on the Judeo-Christian ethic. I like to say Old Testament, New Testament, because that's where it comes. Uh, I've, I've talked to some uh, media people, I mean liberal media people, I've talked to them personally on this, and, and, and they have said, well, you know, our Constitution is a living document. That is the biggest crock of baloney. If you go to a school, a college, anywhere, and they're telling you that the uh, Constitution is a living document, they've just told you a bald-faced lie. Now, most of them don't even know they're lying. They don't even know they're lying. But it's not a living document. It was a document put together using the Old Testament and New Testament, taking principles, ethics, and just the idea of day-to-day -day life. You see, there are things about life, no matter what age it is, whether it was back in the dark ages or it's in the days to come, there are the principles of God's Word, that those, those principles, those ethics, those standards are true for every generation. That's why righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. All nations will be cast into hell that forget God. And that's the danger of people saying, it's just a living document. No, this is something that was built on. Now, let me be careful to say this as well. The Constitution is not the Bible. It is not the Word of God but it is built on the Word of God, okay? This sermon will be built on the Word of God, but it doesn't replace the Word of God, okay? And the Word of God hopefully supports it, and I believe it does uh, as we go along into this sermon. But the, the first president 
said that the day was declared a day of thanksgiving, giving thanksgiving to God. It is the very God that our country was founded upon, especially when you think that pilgrims came here to be able to worship the Almighty God, our Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that was set aside to give thanks then for our country. And we like to call it the Judeo-Christian ethic. But nonetheless, to give thanks unto God for providing us this and to be able to pray to the Father in Jesus' name publicly wherever you are. You see, the Judeo-Christian ethic is something, that Old Testament, New Testament on which it was built. That's why they want it to be a living document. Because now they want God out of the schools. They pretty well have done their job in getting him kicked out. And saying, we hate God, we don't want him in here. Now everything else that's evil, bring it on in. Isn't it interesting they uh, kicked out God? They kicked out God, and they're bringing in drag queens. I know where I drag them, but that's another story. By the way, that turns my stomach to look at this thing of drag queens. But you know what? Those people can be saved by that same power in the blood of Jesus Christ that saved us. They really can. So they're the ones that really need to hear the gospel uh, from us. So again, uh, when we think of this, this country is founded upon that. Be thankful for that. It's, it's terrible that even today, you say, man, I'm not a part of that group. I'm not a part of that liberal group. But there are people that even name the name of Christ that on that Thursday, they'll have their turkey, but they'll also have their beer and wine. They might say a designated, oh, Lord, we're thankful, and that's about it. And that's all that God comes into it for the rest of the day in life. Until next year. Or maybe Christmas, it might be different. But that's it. Uh, Thanksgiving, giving thanksgiving to God, it's not about God at all. It's about days off, and that's essentially it. And that's not what it is to be for a Christian. Now, we can't determine what people that without Christ would spend a day of thanksgiving to, to a God that they don't believe in. But I can't imagine that why we as Christians would not think that day of the things that we can give to God for what He has given and how He has blessed us. So, uh, this day is set aside originally by President Washington for time to worship the name of Jesus Christ, but also to thank Him for the Constitution that was built upon the Word of God. Now, let me say to you parents, be sure that you educate your children on that Thanksgiving Day why you are thanking God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whereas America has designated a day to give thanks, the idea of spending that day in drinking and partying and all these other things that go on is total blasphemy to call it thanksgiving that's blasphemy on any christian is blaspheming god when he had 
settle down and drink alcohol on that day and do anything else but thank God, how in the world can you say that I'm a Christian, Christ-like? He is not. She is not. Whoever would take that stand. Now, uh, there is only a mention of thanks quickly in prayer in so many places. A few years ago, uh, President Obama, when he was inaugurated, and I'm not saying anything against President Obama now. I'm not doing Democrat, Republican thing right now. What I'm saying is, is this. He had different preachers come up there to pray at the inauguration. One of those who claimed to be a Baptist got up and prayed in the name of all these different gods around the world and put them on the level of Jesus Christ's name when he was praying that. That is filthy, that, and really, that's the kind of person you need to pray that they'll get saved if they're not saved. I think they're not saved, but even if they are saved, the judgment hand of God's going to be upon that person. They better get it right. They better get it right. Now, whereas America has that special day set aside, there is a will that God has for each of us that are saved in here. If you're saved, I want you to listen closely because this is God's specific will for you. Now, when God says he has something that is a specific will for you, you are going, I am going to be called into an account for it. You're going to be called, I'm going to be called. If you're saved, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, where Christians are judged, not determining whether they're going to heaven or hell. You're at the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to be in heaven. But it's going to determine whether you have loss of reward. Saved so as by fire. So let me just share with you this specific will of God that you'll give account of is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. In everything, everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, we've had things where it was hard to give thanks in that. And yet, you know that God allowed it, or God used it, maybe as a chastening, a scourging, to get our lives right with God because we were getting far from Him. And when you get away from the Lord, you are helping the devil. Now, you may not like that, but that's the truth. You know what I've found so often when people have, go through trials and troubles and problems? I think God allows it because it proves to them just how strong and how real their Christianity is. One of the first things they do is they quit going to church. Uh, they may be saved, but then they're not going to church. Maybe they're just coming on Sunday morning. Maybe they're just coming on uh, once a week. And maybe it's once a month. Maybe if there's a special day going on, they'll come then. But friend, it says that the relationship they have with Jesus Christ is not good. Even if they are saved, it's not good. They're saved. But being saved so as by fire is not a good thing. And I say that to you because... I don't want anybody that has sat under the sound of my voice, whether it's in this auditorium, live stream, 
radio, to appear before God and be totally ashamed, saved so as by fire. I really don't want that. Don't want that for any of you. And so, uh, this is a command God has given to each of us as His children to be thankful in all things. Now, let's look at the, uh, something here that might just be, you might say, show us some things that happen that we should be thankful for that we often are not thankful for. I find it in Psalms chapter 119, and it begins with verse 71. Now, we could go through verse 77 because it comes up a second time, but I'll just start with verse 71 here in the 119th Psalm. You're close enough to it at Psalms 91. You just got to go forward a little bit to get to Psalms uh, 119. And it's verse 71. It says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Whoa. It's good that I have been afflicted. That I might learn the statutes. You see, we're needing to learn what God commands. Different areas of our personal life. Things that need to be made right with God. Things that need to be made right with others. Things that need to be made right in our life. You know, sometimes you can do something behind somebody's back. One of the sins that are, are an abomination to God. And you know, it's interesting. If you like to do a study sometime, uh, the 1828 Webster Dictionary, okay? Now, some of them, you don't have the, the various books like the, uh, the Texas Receptors. You wouldn't know it anyway, okay? But uh, you don't have other books that are available perhaps to you where it talks about the understanding of words and things of that nature. We just don't have those maybe, uh, but, but we want to know what a word means. The 1828 Webster Dictionary was translated in such a way to give us the meaning of Bible words of the old King James Version Bible. Matter of fact, I have an app on my cell phone as well that when I'm reading the Bible and I see a word, I say, what is that now, really? And I'll look it up, and I'll see something that just kind of opens it up just a little bit more. But I'm saying that to say this, is that uh, sometimes people don't realize it. For example, the word abomination. If something is an abomination to God, I can tell you right now, it's not good. Okay, it's not good. If it's an abomination to God, look up the word abomination, see what it means. And then after you look up that word abomination, I, I would suggest go through the book of Proverbs and see everything that says is an abomination. And it'll tell you a whole lot. For an example, he that soweth discord among brethren is an abomination to God. Whoa! You know, sometimes people think, I know why he said that. He said that because. Oh, you know what you just claimed? You claim something else that's blasphemy. You just claim that you have deity's power and understanding because you know why he said that. That means you know his mind, you know his heart. Oh, it could be her heart too, okay. But you know that so well, that's exactly what they mean. And you go around telling people that. Well, that makes you a big liar, that makes you a blasphemer, and that makes you an abomination to God. Now, how does that feel? Now, think that through. One of the stupidest things you can say before God is, I know what they're thinking. That is stupid. 
Now, I know that in today's uh, society, using the word stupid is almost like a cuss word. But they can take God's name all vain, in vain all day and nobody says a word about it. When you have an actual word that actually describes something, uh, they don't like it because a lot of times that word tells the truth. So, uh, we, we want to look at that idea of this verse here. He says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn the statute. You wrong somebody, make it right. Maybe you're holding something back. They don't even know you wronged them. They don't know what you're holding back. Guess what? The judgment seat of Christ, it says, when all the hidden things of darkness, and by the way, that's written to Christians in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, the hidden things of darkness and the counsels of the heart will be made known. Guess what? Here, you can do something about it. Up there, you can't. It's too late. So, those, those statutes are so important to the Lord as you look at it in your day-to-day -day life. So, a friend... You've hurt. Make it right. Make it right. But let me tell you about another thing that you need to make right. Someone you're afraid to witness the gospel to. You've sinned not only against God in that, but you've sinned against that person. You see, these are things that we need to get a hold of in our heart and mind and believe it. And the Lord, He chastens his own. It is for me, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. Now, he talked about affliction. It may be other things that come in our life. A friend of mine told me one day, he was down, down in Miami. He was actually working for a ministry, a, a nationwide ministry, and he was, went into Miami and he said, uh, since I spent the night in the motel there, I decided, uh, well, I'm going to try something I've never done before. I'm going to go to the dog track and watch a dog race. He did. And he put down a $2 bet. Now, he said, I knew that's wrong to do, but I went ahead. I wouldn't see if I could win anything. He didn't. But he laid down a $2 bet. Now, he's working for a ministry, but nobody's there that knows him, so he knows he can get away with this. The dummy thought. And um, he told me, I mean, I, we have fun together with this, but he, he told me, he says, got in my car, drove back to the hotel, and blew my engine. And he had an expensive car. Guess what? It cost him a whole lot more than, than the $2 that he spent. Okay. At $2, uh, uh, he knew that it was wrong. But you know what? The good thing about that, he knew the Lord did it. And he would not do that again. He would not go back to a dog track again. I don't think he went back to a horse track either. But uh, he would not do that again. He knew that the Lord had moved in that thing. You know, sometimes you, 
go around and you see things going on in people's lives that are Christians. And it just seems like everything goes wrong. It might be a good time to examine your Christian life to see if God is trying to get your attention. Now, I'm not just saying because you got, uh, for example, we just came off this COVID thing, if you got COVID that God was trying to chasten you and straighten you out. No, I'm not saying that. But you know what? I do believe that if you're walking with God and your relationship is close, that you'll realize these things. You know, for that guy to realize, okay, the Lord saw, <laughs> saw me. And the Lord did that. I deserved it. Okay. Then he knew that he had interrupted and really hurt in his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people don't have that daily prayer. They don't have that daily walk with God, so it doesn't matter to them. And, and by the way, I think as well that applies uh, to the lottery. Wait a minute, preacher. You've quit preaching, gone to uh, really just, you've just gone to really now getting into our business. Now, that's none of your business. You're meddling. No. Go through the lottery as well. If it's gambling, it's wrong. If it's gambling, it's sin. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to just tell you what God wants, thinks about it. And I, it, I'm not going to try to smooth it down just so that you feel good when you leave here. You know, when you get right with God is when you should feel good. That's when you should feel good. It's when you get right with God. If you feel good about sin, but you don't feel good about being right with God, then you've got a problem, you see. And so again, sometimes God has to get our attention through different and various ways. Uh, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, I think of something that uh, come up, because um, you can be active in Christian ministry and yet uh, not see what God is doing or what God is trying to do in you. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, it says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, let me put the, some shoes to that story. Sounds great. My God shall supply all your need. Well, what happened there? The Philippian church gave to the Apostle Paul and that missionary team that went to Thessalonica and as a result of giving that, they were able to continue to plant churches in that area and see God move. But Philippi, the Philippians, Paul went there to start to plant churches there. And guess what? He gets beaten silly. He gets thrown into prison because he was preaching the gospel and he was trying to be a witness for the Lord. And that's what happens to him. Well, what happens next? There's an earthquake in the prison. That, that jailer's going to kill himself because if any prisoner escapes, they're going to kill him. Paul stops and says, hey, do yourself no harm, we're still here. Leads him to Christ, leads his family to Christ, gets them all baptized. When the others come the next day to release him, they say, well, I'm a Roman. I'm a citizen, and uh, how, how's that going to look when that goes back to Rome? Then they're all apology, and then he's, and there's a good reason for him doing that, because then the gospel is preached, souls get saved, and the church is planted in Philippi. He goes to Thessalonica. From Philippi, he goes to Thessalonica. Guess what? He gets persecuted again. He's persecuted hard. 
But the church at Philippi is the church that sins into the need and more souls get saved. Now think of that. Now I, I don't think that Paul, when he's getting that whip across the back, saying, praise God, this is wonderful. No. No, it wasn't at all. I think he's asking the Lord to give him the strength to endure. But sometimes the Lord has to bring affliction to our lives to get our attention. Sometimes we're so set in serving the Lord, He can't speak our heart to our heart because He has shown us something down the road, back, back, way back there, and we got on that. We're doing it now. He's trying to show us something that is going to build the, uh, more into your life and more responsibility in your service to Him. And I don't know. And so you don't even give thought to that. God sometimes has to put you on your back to get your attention. And so those are things that happen. You say, Brother Andy, I appreciate you saying those things, but I sure am not uh, giving a whole lot of thanks right at the moment for what you're saying. No, what I'm saying is the way you know to do those things and to endure in those things is have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as a saved person that can endure whatever trial comes into your life. And you'll have such an open relationship with Him. He can tell you, no, not that way. This way. This is what I want you doing, but I don't want you doing it this way. I want you doing it that way. You see, let me just use the contemporary movement one more time. Contemporary movement, if we do this, I mean, this is the music the world hears today. Kids love the rock and roll. Their parents love the rock, rock and roll. They grew up on Elvis Presley, you know, the Beatles and everything else. They love that music. But you see, the world is appealing to the flesh. God appeals to the heart. Now, what we're saying when we go that way to just get more in, guess what we're saying? God, I know what your Bible says, but the Holy Spirit just lacks the power anymore to do anything through preaching His Word. The Holy Spirit just, Satan's got that victory over him now. I'd never say that. Then quit doing things that say that. Look, I don't hate the churches that have gone contemporary. I want them to get saved. I want them to get right. I want them to repent. And I want the preachers across this land to have the guff, to have the power of God upon them to stand and say, that is sin. That's what it's got to be. Now, to be quite frank with you, about everything I've said here today has been to save people. It's been to save people. But another question I want to ask is this. Are you 100% sure that if you die today, that heaven is your home? I mean, can you give a Bible reason? Well, I'm doing the best I can. Well, I think so. You know, I've done this and done, done that. Hey, I gave money to church. I help feed the poor. Remember, just before the cross, that 
That might have been sold and, and, and for 300 pence and then given to the poor. And Jesus looked at him and said, you've got the poor with you always. Your works won't save you. Why? Ephesians 2, 8 through, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says this, For by grace, that is the grace of God, not your grace, for by grace are you saved through faith. What's your faith in? Your faith is in the fact that Jesus Christ shed His blood on the cross and died for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. He was paying the penalty in full. And let me tell you about that time on the cross. The world and Christians, we emphasize how that spear went to His side. How they used that Roman cat of nine tails 39 times and it ripped. Could have gone up to 351 different uh, stripes, rips in his body because it had bits of bone, metal, and ivory coming off that Roman cat of nine tails. They yanked hair from his beard. They spit in his face. They mocked him. And they stripped all of his clothes off of him and put him on a cross in front of everybody. Now when we think of that, that's the most, that's the worst thing and they did that for me. Let me tell you what he did more than that. He was on the cross. He became sin for us who knew no sin. How did he become sin for us? All your sin that you would commit, you hadn't been born yet, none of us had. But the sin you'd commit would be placed upon him. He became sin for us who knew no sin. He was the perfect son of God. Who knew no sin. That we, old wicked we, might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now I've told you folks here before. The suffering wasn't the physical was the greatest, no. God the Father was pouring out his almighty wrath on the human spirit of Jesus Christ. Because if he doesn't, that almighty wrath on the Spirit will be poured out upon me. I'm not going to say this exactly verbatim because I don't have it exactly memorized verbatim, but Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, speaking of our death, talks about this body going back to the, going back to the dust but a spirit going back to God. See, being made in God's image was not a body. God is a spirit. To be made in God's image, you have a spirit. This body will die, but the word death means separation, so your spirit will separate from your body and it will go to God, and that's where you're determined, heaven or hell, because whether you receive Christ or not, as your Lord and Savior. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And Christian, that's where it applies to us. He created us unto good works, which God hath before ordained. If He's before ordained it, that means He's going to call us into an account for the works that He's ordained for us. And did you even do it? Did you even seek to know? God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. But 
Ecclesiastes, the spirit goes back to God. A husband and wife comes together and they want to have a child. That seed is of the man, but that body is of the woman who will carry that child, her body, in her body, that body will, uh, baby will feed off that mother, she will, that baby inside the mother will just grow, the body will grow, develop inside the mother. If you abort that baby, you'll be removing body parts perhaps, as they do today, is to kill and to murder and do genocide, but really, the moment that that baby dies inside the mother, somebody's tried to abort it, the spirit goes with the Lord. A child dies, maybe from some kind of a cancer, some kind of a sickness. That child dies, that spirit goes to be with the Lord. You see, the spirit is the image we're made in. God's spirit is an eternal spirit. And since we were made in his spirit, we're going to live forever, either in heaven or in hell. But let me tell you this, to say everlasting life in heaven, but that's with the Lord. Everlasting in hell is not, is not life, that's death. That's separated from God forever in a lake of fire, tormented day and night, and you can't escape. Yet Jesus says, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Whosoever will, let him come drink the water of life freely. Why? 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word. He's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that anybody should go to hell, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance? Yes. You're turning and you're giving yourself to him. It's not about you, it's about him now. You're turning yourself to him. He's the head of your life, not you. He is the God of your life, not you. Is there a time in your life where you realize you're a sinner headed to hell? And hey, nobody wants to go to hell. They know what it is. But, but also it includes you're giving your life to Christ. You're asking him to cleanse you and to save you. You just want to say some words as if they were magic words. And now you're all right and go do what you want to. Somebody's misled you big time. You're coming to Christ as Lord and Savior. But when you become his child, he does chasten. In faithfulness thou hast afflicted me. He will chasten his own. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Let's bow our heads, please.